engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Atlanta's evening news has arrived. And thanks all for the prayers. Uh, the meeting yesterday, highly successful. Going to have a great resurgent gathering this year in August. Uh, you know, can we spend some time on the lies that liberals tell? And, and I, I don't mean this to be a, a beat up on the progressive movement day, but there is, and I don't follow the account. Several people sent me screenshots of a, apparently a, a very popular Instagram account, uh, Georgia followers official, GA followers official. Uh, it is an, in fact, I, I noticed that a number of friends of mine follow this account and uh, it's a, one of those private, this is one of my annoying things about Instagram is people all the time send me um, messages on Instagram of memes that are from Instagram accounts that are private. You got to join to see the private meme. I, don't waste my time. Seriously, this is a, if 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 you're listening right now and you actually think it's funny and, and you want to direct message me memes, uh, go ahead and I will block you. Uh, I do not use Instagram for trading memes. If you want to follow me on Instagram, please follow me on Instagram. E.W. Erickson is where where I'm least political. Uh, in fact, I, I I took a rare moment to be political on Instagram today to push back on this. So this this Instagram account, uh, GA followers official, put up. Um, a picture of Governor Brian Kemp. And let me read you the text. According to the new abortion law signed, if a Georgia resident plans to travel elsewhere to obtain an abortion, she may be charged with conspiracy to commit murder, punishable by 10 years imprisonment. Now, this is being pushed around by progressives. And it's not true. It is not true. It is very, very much not true. It, it is a lie. And here you have an Instagram account. They liked over 800 times. This has been liked, uh, mostly by people who live in Georgia, uh, an Instagram account that is otherwise not political, decided to get political and put this up, claiming that if a Georgia resident plans to travel elsewhere to obtain an abortion, she may be charged with conspiracy to commit murder punishable by 10 years imprisonment. This is flat out a lie. And I, I don't hesitate to say it's a lie because it is a lie. Uh, OCGA, when I say OCGA, that is the official code Georgia annotated, the official code of Georgia annotated. Now, what the annotations mean is um, the OCGA is, is if you are a lawyer and you want to cite what the statutory laws in Georgia are, you cite the OCGA. The annotated portion means that uh, there are annotations in the book uh, that reference other laws and cases related to those laws. Uh, so it's OCGA is, is the official code of Georgia annotated. Uh, the appropriate section here is uh, section 16. That's the uh, code, the section of the Georgia Code on criminal law. Section 5, that is the section of the criminal code involving crimes against other people. Uh, subsection 80F. So OCGA 16-5-80F. I want to read for you uh, section 16-5-80 is the infanticide and feticide law in Georgia. In Georgia, 
the law is broken out into two separate sections. One is for crimes against people who have passed out of the birth canal. One is for crimes against people who are still in the birth canal. So murder, murder is about people who roam the earth with two legs who have been born. Infanticide and feticide are the, the murder statutes as they apply to people who are not yet born. And let me read you OCGA section 16-5-80F. Nothing in the 16, I should back up and clarify, 16-5-80 makes it a crime to kill a child still in the womb. It is a crime in Georgia to kill a child still in the womb. But section F says this, nothing in this section shall be construed to permit the prosecution of any woman with respect to her unborn child. Nothing in this code section that makes it a crime to kill an unborn child shall be construed to permit the prosecution of any woman with respect to her unborn child. Now, it's actually more detailed than that. There's another paragraph. It says, uh, it shall not be construed to permit the prosecution of any person for conduct relating to an abortion for which the consent of the pregnant woman or person authorized by a law to act on her behalf has been obtained or for which such content is implied. And nothing in this code section shall be construed to permit the prosecution of any person for any medical treatment of a pregnant woman or her unborn child. And nothing in this code section shall be construed to permit the prosecution of any woman with respect to her unborn child. The law is very clear. The existing law is very clear. Now, progressives are saying, but wait, but wait, the, the new law changed it. There's a provision that says uh, anything in conflict with the fetal heartbeat law shall be repealed. Except that's not the way this works. That's not the way any of this works. And it's this is not my opinion, by the way. This is settled law. I mean, if you think that I'm wrong here, you're entitled to your opinion, but you're an idiot. Because I'm not telling you my opinion. I'm telling you what the law is. I'm not a practicing attorney anymore. But by God, I was a lawyer for six years. I went to law school for three years. I know what I'm talking about. And you don't have to believe me. You can read the statutes and the cases yourself. Anyone who tells you differently is flat out lying. Now, there is something more to it, though. Let me respond to people who say, but the, the new law says anything in conflict with it um, is expressly re or is repealed. Okay, okay, but, okay, so existing Georgia law that I just read to you, uh, that you can look it up for yourself, you can go to Google and you can type OCGA 16-5-80 and look at section F. Nothing in this code section that allows the prosecution of killing an unborn child shall be construed to permit the prosecution of any woman with respect to her unborn child. Now, uh, House Bill 481, that's the fetal heartbeat legislation, has language at the end, and this is what progressives are seizing upon and badly distorting Georgia law as a result. Uh, this HB 481, section 16, says any laws and parts of laws in conflict with this act are repealed. Now, this is what they're seizing upon. Do you get this? First of all, what you need to know is that there's nothing in House Bill 481 that makes it a crime for a woman to terminate a pregnancy. Nothing in the text of the law makes it a crime. So how could the existing law be in conflict with the new law when nothing in the new law makes it a crime? Well, it can't, but there's something else here. 
under Georgia law, and again, this is not my opinion, this is fact. And if you don't believe that it's fact, you can go look at it for yourself. Under Georgia law, there is actually Supreme Court precedent that this provision, this provision, by the way, is put into virtually every piece of legislation that comes out of the legislature. All laws and parts of laws in conflict with this act are repealed. That's boilerplate, basically. And the Georgia Supreme Court has said that you have to specifically repeal criminal laws in Georgia. If you want to change a criminal law in Georgia, it has to be specifically done. You can't do it by one of these provisions that says all laws and parts of laws in conflict with this act are repealed. I mean, that's settled law. That's not my opinion again. That's not my opinion. That's settled law in Georgia. You can't say, oh, well, we're, we're going to now put in this boilerplate language and it's going to repeal a, a provision of a law that prevents someone from being prosecuted for crime. You can't do that in Georgia law. And any lawyer who tells you that that is true, don't believe them because they're not telling you the truth. They're being partisan hacks. So you can't actually prosecute a woman in Georgia under Georgia law for having an abortion. Even with the fetal heartbeat legislation of MS, you can't do it. It's prohibited by law. Now, I got an argument with a, a progressive in Maryland who says, oh, but there are now affirmative defenses. And affirmative defenses suggest that, yes, the other laws repeal. That's, oh, I can't use that. The bull. I'll just say bull. No, why do I say that? Because if you actually look at it, what is an affirmative defense? An affirmative defense is you're charged with a crime. You can say, here is my defense. And if it's one of these five things, then you can't be prosecuted. And it's true. There are affirmative defenses, except those apply to a specific criminal statute in Georgia. And that specific criminal statute applies to doctors, not actually to moms. There is a provision in Georgia law that if a doctor performs a procedure, and this doesn't actually apply to Georgia, just any medical procedure. If a doctor performs a medical procedure not permitted by law or specifically prohibited by law, the doctor can get into trouble. Abortion will now, after there's a fetal heartbeat, be specifically prohibited by law, so a doctor can't perform that in Georgia. But there is no, nowhere does it change the law that says moms can't be prosecuted. And so under Georgia law, moms can't be prosecuted. The fetal heartbeat legislation doesn't change that. Anyone telling you otherwise is lying. This, this, uh, whatever this Twitter or, or Instagram account is, is lying to say affirmatively. And again, this is the, the GA followers official Instagram account. I'm not a member of it, but I got, got a screenshot sent to me of it. And they put up a piece and says, according to the new abortion law signed, if a Georgia resident plans to travel elsewhere to obtain an abortion, she may be charged with conspiracy to commit murder punishable by 10 years imprisonment. That is not true. It is a flat-out lie. It is not true under Georgia law. Under Georgia law, a woman cannot be prosecuted for an abortion. I don't know how much more clear I can make this. It is not true to say that. And there are a lot of progressives out there saying it's true and it's not true. And these are people who are just, I mean, filled with spittle rage over the things the president says that are not true. And yet here they are telling you things that are not true. This fetal heartbeat legislation will get no mother prosecuted for having an abortion. Why? Because Georgia law prohibits any woman from being prosecuted for having an abortion. It is that simple. And anyone who tells you otherwise is not telling you the truth. This is not my opinion. This is fact. And if you have trouble with that, you have trouble with the truth.
I want to welcome a new sponsor to the program. This is actually a very timely sponsorship for the Eric Erickson show. That is Liquid IV. It hydrates you two to three times faster and more efficiently than water alone with an added bonus of vitamin C, B3, B5, B6, and B12. I say this is timely because in the last month we've had a bunch of illness hit our house and everybody getting dehydrated and Liquid IV comes in handy for times like that. All Liquid IV products utilize cellular transport technology, a specific ratio of glucose, that's pure cane sugar, sodium from mine salt, and potassium. When mixed with 13 ounces of water, it helps your body absorb more of the water and nutrients you drink directly into your bloodstream. It's a healthy alternative to traditional sugary sports drinks, and there are no artificial flavors or preservatives. Liquid IV is a timely thing for our household because we've all been sick. And it works. It really does. And right now, you can get 25% off at liquidiv.com when you use my code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Go to liquidiv.com, enter my promo code ERIC, get your savings, start getting better hydration. That's liquidiv.com, promo code ERIC. Don't wait. Start properly hydrating today. It really does work. So glad to have you joining me this Friday afternoon. By the way, I, I, later on in the show, I've got too much stuff that happened yesterday while I was out I, that I, I want to cover, but I, I do want to spend some time. There's actually a fascinating article out today on what happens to your junk. Uh, no, get your mind out of the gutter. And, and I'm not talking about the stuff you put in the in the landfill, but like your your parents get old and you're you're giving away or selling their old stuff what actually happens to it there's this growing movement to help senior citizens dispose of things uh and, and there are plenty of trends like for example if you're if you're in your late 60s or older you probably like like nice china sets and things like that and it turns out that 20 and 30 somethings don't. Uh, so what happens to them? You want it disposed of. It's a family heirloom. Your kids don't want it. Where does it go? I want to spend some time on that. There's actually fascinating research that's been done on this. Uh, we do need to move on to other topics, um, as if you will allow. Uh, I, I hope I, I've made myself extremely clear now that uh, don't believe. And, and please push back on your friends on this because it's not true. There's a story circulating today. Well, you know what? I don't know that I got time to, to, to delve into this at this point. I, I, let me let me do this instead because there's a there's a stack of stuff story out there I wanted to get to. Thankfully, it's not in Georgia, but you can imagine this happening in Georgia, in one of our liberal enclaves in Georgia. A, parents are suing a school district um, for basically false imprisonment of their son, among other things. This is a, a terrible story. Parents of an elementary student are suing the Woodburn School District for almost a million dollars. They say a second grade teacher kept their son from recess and educated him without their permission on becoming transgender. Now, this is in Woodburn, Oregon, a progressive area. Well, actually, this is a conservative area of the state, but a progressive teacher. The student was eight years old. The teacher noticed the boy used the faculty bathroom. And afterwards, pulled him aside, kept him from recess, and began showing him videos and books in an effort to promote him becoming transgender. Then the second grade teacher sent home books to help the parents help their child begin his transition. Do you know why the kid 
was using the faculty bathroom wasn't because he was scared to use the other bathrooms. It's because he has a digestion-related medical condition. My goodness. And yet the teacher wanted to go full indoctrination. Unreal. All right. We'll be back with this crazy story about Donald Trump that doesn't appear to be true. And yet lots of reporters wanted it to be today. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here on Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, by the way, during commercial break, a friend of mine sent me a link to Business Insider. Business Insider is also running the story. Uh, headline, women could get up to 30 years in prison for having a miscarriage under Georgia's harsh new abortion law. Let, let me read you the, 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 the weasel language. In addition to banning abortion after a heartbeat can be detected, the law's personhood provisions would seem to allow for women who perform their own abortions, travel out of state for an abortion, or are found to be responsible for a miscarriage to be charged with murder. Seems to say, no, actually it doesn't. The law is very clear in Georgia. Uh, this is a fascinating example of how the liberal media obsessed with the lies the president tells are perfectly willing to tell their own lies if it advances a progressive agenda. There is another story out very similar to that is that has been making the rounds today. Um, this is a story uh, from Rick Riley. Uh, it, it is being circulated at Vox.com. Um, Riley says, um, when Trump was meeting with Kim Jong-un in Singapore, a club championship was held at Trump International, the course Trump built near Mar-a-Lago in Florida. So later on, Trump's back on the course there with the Secret Service and the SWAT team guys and all that stuff. And he sees Ted Virtue, who is involved in financing the movie Green Book. I could never get Virtue to call me back on this, but Golf.com reported it. And I heard it from two members of the club as well. They say Virtue was there playing with his son. Trump sees Ted on the ninth hole and decided to drive his cart over. He tells Ted, congrats on winning the club championship, but you didn't really win because I was out of town. Ted tries to laugh it off. Trump's serious. Trump says, we're going to play the last six holes for the championship. Ted's like, oh, well, I'm playing with my son, but thanks. The president says, it's okay. Your son can play too. By the way, originally this said the son was 11. Ted Virtue doesn't have an 11-year-old son, so they deleted that from the story uh, without really making note of the fact that they deleted it. Uh, apparently, they get to a hole with a big pond. Ted and his son hit the ball on the green. Trump hits his in the water. By the time they get to the hole, though, Trump's lining up the son's ball, only now it's his ball, and the caddy has switched it. And the son says, that's my ball. But Trump's caddy goes, no, this is the president's ball. Your ball went in the water. Ted and his son look at each other confused, not sure if this was really happening. Trump makes the putt, wins one up. Then, according to golf.com, he tells Virtue something like, I'll tell you what, we'll be co-champions. Here's a problem. If you look at the golf.com story, it doesn't reflect this story at all. It reflects that uh, Trump and Virtue played nine holes together or some such. Um, it just it's simply not true. Originally, a man named Ted Virtue, the 58-year-old CEO of a New York investment firm, had the 2018 club championship all to himself. Uh, da, 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 da. After Trump running, Virtue won the championship, Trump ran into him at the club, according to multiple sources, having some fun with him. Trump said something like, the only reason you won is because I couldn't play. Trump then proposed a mini-hole challenge match. Uh, on and on and on and on. They match play. Trump supposedly won. But all the other stories, the kid's ball, all that stuff... They're not there. 
And yet members of the press were circulating the story today as if it was gospel truth. And, and you know, I, I put online, if it's too good to be true, except several reporters, several reporters actually replied back to me, but this sounds like something he would do. And my response to all of them was, you mean the thing he did not do sounds like something he would do? That That's what you're going with? And yes, they were. I mean, you know, trying to tell reporters that they have bias is like trying to tell the Klansman who has a black friend that that he's a racist. No, no, I don't because I have black friends. And the reporter's like, oh, I'm not biased. I write critically of Democrats. Yeah, after they lose to Republicans. Uh, it, it, this is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. It just really is amazing to me um, how much the media is willing to push lies to advance a progressive agenda while trying to claim to be some sort of moral arbiters on what is true um, about the things the president says. They want to fact check the president in real time. I mean, remember the the State of the Union? You, you had people on MSNBC and CNN lamenting that a- after complaining that the president doesn't spend enough time talking to him, then complaining that he was going to give the State of the Union and might say not true things. The media is making a career out of peddling not true stories like this story about the abortion law in Georgia and others. And I got to tell you, there, there's a there's a side angle to this that makes me upset. I've seen several people who claim to be pro-life on social media say, oh, maybe Republicans shouldn't be passing these laws because because they're they're such bad laws, believing the things the media is saying. And I, I guess that's part of the reason the media is so willing to lie about these things is because they're hoping other people take that attitude as well. Really is just aggravating. It is flat out not true. And the number of stories that have come out, it's clearly coordinated, by the way. It is very clearly coordinated by partisan progressive activists to do these things. Um, it, it just, it, it's it's not true. Um, and shame on people for passing it around as if it is true. It's not. But they don't care about the facts anymore. And, and you know, there's an aside here. Of a lot of the people who are reacting this way are, are progressive women who get really mad when you say that women are more emotional than men, that you're stereotyping them, except they're behaving super emotionally about a law uh, that they are grossly distorting and not telling the truth about. Here, I mean, for example, a buddy of mine sent me a screenshot earlier of a woman. Um, it, she, uh, if I see one more man, I mean one more blankety-blank man, saying that this Georgia law BS doesn't mean what the blankety-blank we can see it means, I will get every witch I know to hex your privates off uh, so they rot and fall off. Yes. Um, yeah. So facts don't matter. Facts, facts don't matter anymore. It's all emotion. It is all emotion. The the uh, they're they're okay with a law that allows a woman to kill a child until the moment it enters the world, um, but to protect a child is somehow bad. And of course, the media is to the left. And, and I got to say, you know what? I, I'm let me get on my soapbox about uh, rep- uh, pundits and reporters who are playing the role of pundits in Georgia, saying how terrible this is going to be for Republicans in 2020. 
Here's the facts about 2018. Democrats turned out at presidential level and Republicans did not. Republicans turned off at off-year elections. 2020 is going to be a presidential level turnout for Republicans with the president on the ballot. It is a fact that there are still more registered Republicans in this state than there are Democrats. It is a fact that a majority of people in this state, including women, consider themselves pro-life. It is a fact that in the worst possible polling for this law, 44% of people in the state of Georgia still liked it, and only about 44% of people in Georgia hated it. The rest were undecided. It is a fact that no one has ever lost a race in the state of Georgia for being pro-life. It is a fact that people have lost races in Georgia for being pro-abortion. These are all facts, uh, too. And yet the media would like to shape all of these things as otherwise because the media has a narrative to tell you, and the narrative is that conservatives can't win in Georgia anymore. And the media is highly invested in telling you the story that conservatives cannot win in Georgia, that Brian Kemp will not win re-election in 2022, that David Perdue is toast, and it is a fact that most members of our state media and certainly of the national media don't like them because they are conservative. And these members of the media definitely consider themselves the arbiters of truth in Georgia, have long time been able to coddle Democrats in Georgia. They no longer can. They would love to have Democrats back in power. And so they're being able, they're pushing these narratives. They're pushing them in the suburbs. The fact of the matter is Georgia is still a conservative state. And the fact of the matter is that Republicans did not turn out in 2018 and it was a ground game issue. It was not an ideological issue. And those those facts can be fixed in 2020. So while everyone is off bashing Governor Kemp for being a conservative and signing a fetal heartbeat law and lying about what that law does, the governor went down to South Georgia and signed the new budget into law that gives teachers in Georgia a $3,000 pay raise. I'm sure we'll have Democrats in Georgia tell us that $3,000 really isn't a lot of money. I, you know, that's what they did with the national uh, tax relief package. The Democrats talked it down and said, oh, it's $1,000. Remember, a lot of companies were giving workers a $1,000 bonus because the corporate tax got cut. And they were like, oh, $1,000, that's nothing. $1,000, that, that's nothing. No one's going to value $1,000. Now we've got $3,000 pay raise for teachers in Georgia, and you're going to have Democrats start talking down. Oh, $3,000, that's nothing. But the Republicans delivered on this. This was a Brian Kemp campaign promise, by the way. He promised to give pay raises to teachers. And they're getting a $3,000 pay raise thanks to Governor Kemp's leadership. He's not getting a lot of credit for this because the media is too busy pushing this false narrative about uh, the fetal heartbeat legislation. They, they don't really care about the facts. It reminds me very much of, of 2018 and the national media pushing the voter suppression narrative in Georgia. The number of Democrats, even ones who call this program still to this day or interact with me on Twitter, who are convinced Stacey Abrams had the election stolen from her by Brian Kemp because local boards of elections closed polling precincts in Democratic areas controlled by Democrats and Brian Kemp just complied with the law that requires inactive and dead voters be removed from the from the rolls. They've completely mythologized what happened in 2018. They are even now building their mythology on this um, heartbeat bill. The facts don't matter to them. And it's really frustrating to hear so many Democrats say Republicans aren't telling the truth, the president's a liar, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when they're lying just as much about things that they care about. They are completely lie. I mean, Stacey Abrams is building her future political career on the back of a lie that somehow she was elected but had it stolen from her. 
That is a lie. It is not true. And we shouldn't dance around it. We shouldn't say the facts aren't there. We shouldn't say um, this this isn't true. We should just call it a lie. Lies mean thing. Lies mean that she's making stuff up, and she is. Now, when we come back, we got to talk about the Stacey Abrams. I mean, grifter's going to grift. She may be running for president um, off the mythology of her loss. And Beto O'Rourke, man, is the press turning on him. We'll get into all that right here on WSB. So Stacey Abrams may be running for president after all. I, I told y'all that I suspected she would because it was a way to fundraise. Uh, she's giving some foreign policy speeches. Maybe she actually does want to run for vice president too. I, I, I still think she wants to beat Brian Kemp. She wants to be the governor of Georgia. It's what she um, poured her heart into doing, poured her soul into doing, poured her resources into doing, and she lost it. She convinced herself that she really won and they stole it from her. She wants a rematch in 2022. And if she runs for president now, uh, Stacey Abrams has the luxury of being able to fundraise and then have all of those donors give her, reassign her money to a gubernatorial bid. Uh, they can essentially, she can move all the money from her presidential campaign into her gubernatorial campaign through some FC, FEC rules, allow the donors consent to letting her move money around. She can totally build it up or she can move it all into her nonprofit. Remember, she's got a nonprofit. You can take your presidential money and move it into a nonprofit. She'll move it into a nonprofit she controls and then use that money to help her in 2022. There, there are ways for her to do this. And frankly, she's capitalizing on a liberal white guilt. And, and I don't mean that negatively. Well, yeah, I do, but not, not in the way some people take it. I mean, you got a bunch of white liberals who feel bad that they invested so much time, talent, and energy and money in Beto O'Rourke in 2018, and they are turning on Beto O'Rourke. They did so in 2018 at Stacey Abrams' expense in Georgia. Abrams came closer to Brian Kemp than Beto O'Rourke came to Ted Cruz. You would never have known that given the amount of media attention to Beto O'Rourke in 2018. Well, now it, this political story is amazing about Beto, but uh, Abrams is totally capitalizing on the fact that white liberals feel bad that they ignored her for the pretty boy liberal who said the F-bomb on stage and rode skateboards. And of course she can expect to capitalize. And listen, they're doing it and they know that she's not going to win. And you need to understand this going into this. Stacey Abrams is not running for president if she does actually run, and I think she probably will. She will not be doing it to actually win. Now, I know she'll claim to. I mean, they all claim to. All these single-issue candidates, Gabby Giffords and the like, they're not actually running to win. They're running for their message. They're running for exposure. They're running for fundraising. But when the media comes to them and says, you can't possibly think you can win, I mean, they can't say, oh, no, I'm not really doing it to win. I'm doing it for this. Because then the liberal donors won't actually give them money. So they say, I believe I can win. I believe people care about this issue, yada, yada, yada. They don't really mean it. They, they understand what they're doing. Um, and so Abrams understands what she's doing here. She's going to go make herself look credible. She's going to go make herself look like she's running for, even if she doesn't run for president, they'll give money to her nonprofit. She's going to look these liberal donors in the eyes. 
do more press conferences, do more TV interviews as she's done with The View and others. Say, oh, yeah, I, I think I lost because people were infatuated with the white guy in Texas. And, oh, yes, I'm so sorry. Forgive me my sin. Here's a check. That's what progressives will do. They, they write checks to be absolved of their sins. And they will write a check to Stacey Abrams uh, to absolve them of the sin of their latent racism of being infatuated with Beto O'Rourke. And Abrams will pour the money into a presidential campaign or a nonprofit and use that money to run for Kemp in 2022. Okay. Beto O'Rourke. Let me just read you part of this. This is from Michael Cruz. Um, it is a news story, a magazine feature in Politico magazine. The headline is Beto's long history of failing upwards. His band didn't catch on. His alt weekly flopped and he lost his highest profile race inside the long risk-free rise of Beto O'Rourke. Uh, Kevin or Michael Cruz is a senior staff writer for Politico. Okay, great. Let me, let me read you this quote. There's a reason Beto's biography doesn't feature much in the campaign. For O'Rourke, the phenomenon on display in that race failure, in that race, uh, the, the Cruz race, um, failure without negative effects and what with perhaps even some kind of personal boost is a feature of his life and career. That biography is marked as much by meandering missteps and moments of melancholic searching as by resume boosting victories and honors. A graduate of an Eastern prep school and an Ivy League rower and English major, the only son of a gregarious attorney and glad-handing politician and the proprietor of an upscale furniture store, the beneficiary of his family's expansive social, business, and political context, O'Rourke has ambled past a pair of arrests, designed websites for El Paso's Who's Who, launched short-lived publishing projects, self-term-limited his largely unremarkable tenure on Capitol Hill, shunned the advice of pollsters and consultants and pinned overwrought solipsistic medium missives, enjoying the latitude afforded by the cushion of an upper-middle-class upbringing that is only amplified by the marriage to the daughter of one of the region's richest men. Pretty scathing, huh? And Michael Cruz, by the way, is no conservative. But... What's so fascinating to me is the number of reporters who passed this piece around today on social media. These people were all humping Beto O'Rourke's leg in, in 2018. I mean, it's kind of like a dog in I mean, these reporters were behaving like dogs in heat around Beto O'Rourke in 2018. And now suddenly they're thinking, oh, yeah, he is such a, he's such a loser. Yeah, he's, he's nice and all, and he's got Kennedy good looks. But, yeah, he's, he's unaccomplished, and, and he's no Pete Buttigieg. These people were enraptured with Beto O'Rourke in 2018. My, my, how they have turned on him. I mean, if, you, if you've forgotten, in 2018, Republicans had to basically yell with one voice about Beto's DUI, that he fled from the scene of a hit and run. The national media wouldn't cover it. There were multiple profiles and multiple outlets, including Vanity Fair. They never bothered to mention it until Republicans were outraged by it. And, and then they tried to dismiss it as all oh, there, there are conflicting accounts in this story. No, there were no conflicting accounts, but they tried to excuse him for it because he was running against Ted Cruz. That's why, because the media hates Ted Cruz. There's no love lost there with, with Cruz. And so they had to build up Beto O'Rourke and they were willing to cover for him. These people were humping his leg and now they've got but a judge and a, a bunch of progressive women and they don't need Beto anymore. Beto no longer does it for him. The love affair is over. 
And they're willing to pass around stories like this about what a loser Beto is and, and how bad Beto is and what a terrible candidate Beto is when they were in love with him because he was running against Ted Cruz. Again, you, you know, you have a conversation with reporters. It's like the people we've had people call into this program. They say, I'm not a racist because I've got a black friend or hired a black person. But and then they say something extremely racist, kind of like the 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 the, the members of council in, in Houston. We're not racist. We just think people around here don't want a black person as the city administrator. <laughs> I'm not a racist, but I'm a Christian, and the Bible says black and white people can't be friends or intermarry. I, good Lord. It's the same thing with reporters. I, I'm not biased because I write columns critical of Democrats occasionally after they've lost to Republicans. See, all, all the reporters who were in love with Beto in 2018 passing this around, see, I'm not biased. I'm passing this around about Beto because, yeah, he lost. He lost. That's why you're doing it now. I mean, these people are entirely predictable. And it's one thing, you know, and this goes full circle to the first hour and the, the fetal heartbeat bill. The Republicans who passed the fetal heartbeat bill need to be mindful of the fact that the media is going to lie for the Democrats on this and they need to push back aggressively. Frankly, I don't know that Republicans in Georgia are pushing back hard enough on the fetal heartbeat legislation. Reporters are liberals and they're willing to lie at the national level. It is increasingly obvious. I've, I give the benefit of the doubt to so many good reporters at the national level, but collectively the circle of jerks that makes up the DC press corps are a bunch of leftist hacks these days, and they can't even acknowledge their biases because they're convinced that anyone who thinks they're biased is just an idiot Trump a supporter. And meanwhile, they got serious issues and they're destroying their credibility. I want to welcome a new sponsor to the program. This is actually a very timely sponsorship for the Eric Erickson show. That is Liquid IV. It hydrates you two to three times faster and more efficiently than water alone with an added bonus of vitamin C, B3, B5, B6, and B12. I say this is timely because in the last month we've had a bunch of illness hit our house and everybody getting dehydrated and Liquid IV comes in handy for times like that. All Liquid IV products utilize cellular transport technology, a specific ratio of glucose, that's pure cane sugar, sodium from mine salt, and potassium. When mixed with 13 ounces of water, it helps your body absorb more of the water and nutrients you drink directly into your bloodstream. It's a healthy alternative to traditional sugary sports drinks, and there are no artificial flavors or preservatives. Liquid IV is a timely thing for our household because we've all been sick. And it works. It really does. And right now, you can get 25% off at liquidiv.com when you use my code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Go to liquidiv.com, enter my promo code ERIC, get your savings, start getting better hydration. That's liquidiv.com, promo code ERIC. Don't wait. Start properly hydrating today. It really does work. Yes, my friends. Attacks on Jews. Yes, I, I know. It, it wasn't. It didn't be. So, y'all, I got dad brain today. I was traveling all day yesterday. Uh, I haven't even seen my kids yet today. They came home late from school. But yeah, I, I want to talk about the story. I've, if you've seen the video, it was on the nightly news. Uh, a, a Orthodox Jewish man walking down the street, and a guy in New York just sneaked up behind him and punched him in the head. And this is happening more and more in the country. And it's not getting a ton of attention. This only got a lot of attention because uh, it got so widely covered on social media by conservative activists pointing out that this is happening. 
And this again, I guess I could do an entire show on media bias. We hear a lot about the president and white nationalists and white supremacists and Charlottesville, and the media doesn't want to cover the rise of anti-Semitism on the left. You've got, um, what's her name, Ilhan Omar, who says these blatantly anti-Semitic things, and suddenly she's the victim. The people calling her out, they're the bad guys, not the ones saying the blatantly anti-Semitic things. Uh, the, um, the Babylon Bee ran a satire, you know, it's a Christian satire site, and it ran a story that basically, if, if the Jews were so innocent, uh, why are they Jews? Um, and it, it was a it was a parody story of Ilhan Omar and Snopes, the the supposed fact checking site, which by the way is is a liberal site. No one disputes the fact that it's a liberal site. Uh, decided to fact check the Babylon Bee on this, which is clearly a satirical site. The Babylon Bee has been fact checked by Snopes before, and I got to tell you, I think that they fact check Snope because, or they they fact check the Babylon Bee on this quote because you could see her saying something like this. The rise of, of an anti—they're hiding by anti-Israel, no, it's, or anti-Zion, whatever. It is anti-Semitic. They hate Jews. And there is an increasing problem on the left with this. And the media won't touch it because a lot of these people are allies of the media. And every once in a while, we something does go viral, like this video of an Orthodox Jewish man being punched in the back of the head as a man sneaks up on him and hits him, knocks off his hat, knocks him down, Y'all, this is growing problem in this country, and it's not Trump supporters doing it. And the media won't cover it. And I guess we're going to have to, because somebody needs to, because we should all be deeply bothered by this. We really should. When we come back, though, having said that, I, I want to switch gears. What happens to your parents' stuff. Um, when they get old, what happens? Uh, there's some actually very neat stories that I've been reading about. It's the end of the day. It's Mother's Day this weekend. We can take a break from politics and talk about this when we come back. I want to step away from politics. and uh, Let's talk about a, a, an issue. So I'm 40... How old am I? 43, 44. I'm not 45 yet. Uh, I will be someday soon. Uh, 44. And, you know, my parents are in their late 70s. And I've got a lot of friends of mine whose parents are that age or older. And, and at some point, people have to begin having conversations with their parents about what do we do with all your stuff? Um, increasingly, in our materialistic society, tastes have changed, and a lot of things that your parents or your grandparents have acquired are things that really you're not, you don't really want. Uh, and a guy named Adam Minter, he has a book out. It's called Secondhand. He has written in the past a book um, uh, called Junkyard Planet, and he, he writes for Bloomberg News, and he's kind of become fascinated with what happens with everybody's junk. And I just thought this was fascinating reading some of this. He gave an interview. Let me read you some of this. Um, he says that consumers actually care more about how their stuff is discarded than how it is manufactured. And I actually think that's fair. He writes, I didn't really appreciate that emotional landscape until I started spending time with people and companies in the United States who help senior citizens downsize their property before a move to smaller quarters, typically a senior living facility. 
And what I saw during downsizing cleanouts is a lot of resistance to discarding by the very people who paid handsomely in most cases to have someone come and help them discard. Before the owners would let go, they needed reassurance the stuff will be valued and reused in ways that conform to their values. The process is made even more difficult by changing tastes. The fine china and antiques appreciated by Americans born in the middle of the 20th century aren't in much demand from younger generations. People just don't want it, but seniors want people to want it. Someone says, one of the people interviewed says, oh, my kids will take it. No, they won't take it. In the course of sorting someone's stuff, one of the people who helps senior citizens give this stuff away says her best tactic is to persuade the client the stuff won't be wasted. Men won't get rid of tools. Women won't get rid of Tupperware. <laughs> I can do an entire show on, on the collection of Tupperware and plastic containers by wives, nonetheless. Um, she says, so we tell them Tupperware will be recycled. Tools will be used by someone else. And then this is what Adam Minton writes. People in consumption-based societies assemble their identities via stuff and become very emotional when those identities and that stuff is discarded in ways that don't match their values. In Asia, end-of-life discards tend not to be donated but sold, which makes for cleaner transactions all around. In this country, a lot of it is donated. You want, you want to donate stuff. Um, it's something to think about here and how materialistic we as a society have been and, and our parents I mean, particularly our parents' generation being Christian, more likely than not to identify as Christian, uh, knows the Ten Commandments, knows thou shalt not keep idols, and yet um, in a materialistic society refuses to to let go of stuff or in, in, insists that stuff be passed down to your children and the children may not want it. And the parents get offended by the children not wanting it, as opposed to letting people build their own identities. The parents somehow believe that um, the last name is not having their last name is not just a, the identity to be passed down, but their stuff, their junk has to be passed down. And we're dealing with this in an aging society now where increasingly the generations beneath them, they're not procreating. There aren't grandkids. There are grand dogs. Um, the great grandkid generation, it's, it's, it's smaller and smaller. And how do we as a society deal with these things? It's, it's an interesting thing to see. And, and one of the, the crazy things is that, for example, uh, there are now companies that will, you can donate stuff to and they'll sell it, uh, or you can sell the stuff in bulk transactions. And a lot of the stuff, your China sets, for example, the grandkids may not want it, um, so it'll be sold to someone in Asia, where in Asia, they've got the tastes of the people who are now 80 years old in this country. It's just, it's a fascinating thing about how we process junk at the end of our lives. And it's something we all have to think about as well with our parents, I guess. Um, I guess. Uh, the thought makes me sad, but yeah, here we are. On another note, it is Mother's Day this weekend. And uh, I hope my mom is listening. Um, I love you, mom. And happy Mother's Day. I will still call. <laughs> I'm honestly, I, I am bad about calling my parents. Uh, and I apologize to them. And I, I spend all day having to talk for work and talk on the radio. And I just get tired of talking. Um, but I need to do better. And I do love my mother. I'm actually headed, uh, after I'm done here, we'll be headed to my in-laws to spend Mother's Day with my mother-in-law. 
And I certainly hope that all of you were able to get your Sherry's berries out on time. I noticed my neighbor earlier today before I left for the office uh, had a big box of Sherry's berries on her front porch. And I wanted to go over and say, I hope your husband used my discount code with Sherry's berries. Uh, I don't think they listen to the show. They they haven't quite figured out who I am. The husband gave me this look like, I, I think I know who you are, but I'm not sure. Uh, last night, flying back from Washington, you know, the storms came through Atlanta and it, we were stuck on the ground for over an hour in Washington. We couldn't push back. And the pilot at one point got up to stretch his legs and, and we made eye contact and he came up to me without missing a beat. He says, so you want to get on the intercom and do a weather radar reading so people feel like they're back in Atlanta? <laughs> Every once in a while, uh, a pilot or a flight attendant will recognize me on a, on a Delta flight. Uh, that was just, that was so funny though, um, that he wanted me to do a weather radar reading um, while we were sitting on the plane, just so people would feel like we were at home. Well, I don't have to today, but there are going to be storms over the weekend. So you'll want to stick with Kurt Mellish and us here at WSB. We'll be back in a minute. Y'all, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she is back in the news now. She wants to um, have the post office handle banking. I am not making that up. She thinks there needs to be a nonprofit out there uh, that is the post office through which you can make. Has she never heard of a credit union, which is what she's describing? It's a credit union, but she was with Bernie Sanders, and he was nodding along on all this stuff. This is a, a girl who... I don't think she's really lived in the world and she really doesn't understand how the world works. And now, Deep Thoughts by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You have a reusable mug. If you own a reusable mug and you get a paper mug, are you a bad person? That was Deep Thoughts. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Between the credit unions, the bank stuff, that using the post office to run banking, the VA, I just, she needs to get a clue or she needs to just like go research before she mouths off. Getting elected to Congress does not make you an expert. All right. On that note, um, to your moms out there, I hope you have a wonderful, happy Mother's Day. 